0: listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
1: welcome to invest talk above average investing for the average investor we try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial 888-99-CHARTER is our number. 888-992-4278. We're going to go to Dave in San Diego. How are you doing, Dave?
2: I'm uh, uh, real new to this game, and I have uh, a question about IRAs. Okay. Yeah, I've got some money in a, uh, a 401k from an, uh, a different employer. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't want to just leave it in their, no. you know, their 401. Right. And I'd like to roll it into an IRA. Yes. Two-part question on that. Would I be able to take the uh, IRA deduction if I do that?
1: No. You would not, because it's already in, in a tax-deferred vehicle already in the okay. old 401k. So rolling okay. it over does nothing as far as being tax-deductible. Now, once okay. it's in the IRA, you can add to the IRA and deduct that amount you added.
2: That is the second part of my question. Okay. I've heard a lot of talk, you know, you can have this and that in an IRA, you can have stocks, bonds, blah, blah, blah. How exactly do you do
1: that? Okay, very good question. First of all, a 401k, if you work for some employer who offers a 401k and then you stop working for them, the best thing to do is roll that into an IRA. But the question is, how do I do that? It's very, very easy. Depending on what you want to do with the IRA, of course, with a 401k, you have choices in mutual funds. You can roll that 401k into like a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a Schwab, I actually prefer Schwab, believe it or not, into an account and all you do is go to them and say, I want to roll my 401k that I no longer work there right now into a new IRA, uh, let's say at the Schwab program where I can pick all, any and all mutual funds, no load mutual funds I want. And they'll be happy to do that. We do it all the time. Where someone comes to us and wants to roll it into one of our programs, we do it for them. We of course have to get the paperwork, but we do it for them. We roll it from a 401k into a custodian, maybe Bear Stearns or Schwab or, you know, there's many of them. And then from there we manage the money on the IRA. Now, there is no tax consequences when you roll it directly from a tax-deferred 401k to a tax-deferred IRA. It's also not a contribution to an IRA because it's going from, you're just swapping. It's it's an equal trade. And when you open an IRA, you can now add money to that IRA if you wanted to. You can contribute to the IRA. And, of course, there's depends on if you make too much money, you can't. But that's a pretty big number. You just go to whomever you trust that you want to roll this into. It could be a bank. And you want to just put in a savings account. You can go to the bank. Say, I want to roll this 401k into a savings account. They'll help you with the payboard. It's very, very simple, Dave. And if you have more questions about it, just call me at the office. 800-557-5461. 800-557-5461. That's my office number. Be happy to discuss it at length with you. Thank you. Thanks. Let's talk to Gwen in Castro Valley. How are you doing, Gwen? Good. How are you? Doing great.
2: I'm a big fan of buy and rebalance, the portfolio. Okay. And I'm wondering what out there is going to work better over the next 20 years than buy and hold or buy and rebalance.
1: Nothing. If you're talking about 20 years, Gwen, uh, buy and hold will work over that length of period of time. It hasn't worked in the last 10 years. Have you noticed? Buy and hold. But when you say rebalance, that's kind of key. Rebalance how and into what, okay? Uh, in an economic recovery, when e- in every economic recovery in the history, when the stock market, the stock market will rally six, nine months, sometimes 12 months before the economy shows any growth, okay? In that, the stock market recovery, the best stocks that move the fastest are going to be your small cap growth stocks, They've always done the best coming out of an economic recovery. So, if you're saying, I need to rebalance out of these bond funds because interest rates are so low and bond funds may not work going forward for a while, maybe I need to rebalance into a more aggressive stance, I would agree with you.
2: Well, wouldn't your asset allocation determine where you should be selling and buying?
1: Well, but some of the – I like asset allocation. I don't want to disagree with anybody on asset allocation, but it depends on I, – I disagree with people who blindly asset allocate because they say, I need to have this much money in bonds and this much money in stocks and this much money in precious metals or mining. See, so when you rebalance – Again, rebalance into what areas. And the asset allocation, sometimes it's better to be over here than over there. And you know, those people who just asset allocate across a broad spectrum, I think, are doing it wrong. Thanks for the question, Gwen. Appreciate it. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. 992 4278 and you can get through right now.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888 992 4278. Harry in San Jose. How you doing, Harry?
2: Hey, doing good. Steve, long-time listener, and appreciate the education you provide on this show. I had a question regarding 401k rollover. I am rolling over my 401k to an IRA with my bank, and as the usual uh, stuff, I have set up a uh, appointment with the advisor with my bank. I wanted to know if I don't want to be a couch potato investor and if I want to actively manage my funds, how should I go about what would you recommend?
1: Well, I don't know if I would roll it over into a bank because a bank is kind of limits you to whatever they're going to offer you. Now, he's going to, you know, a bank employee is, you know, they have people offer you mutual funds and a few things. But are you going to try to do it yourself, Harry?
2: I'm planning to do it myself, okay. uh, and I can trade stocks and mutual funds, options on through my bank account. I oh, have a brokerage account with them.
1: Okay, and yes. the trade fees are low.
2: I get up to hundred trades free per year, and after that, it's around seven ninety nine.
1: Okay, that's not too bad. Then, yeah, then that's what you should do. You could, you could use the bank. I don't have a problem with it. It's just I thought they might be limiting you to, you know, because most banks you can't buy stocks. It depends on the bank, obviously. No, I have no problem with that. And you control and decide what you want to buy and sell. There's no issues there. Now, what you need to do, though, Harry, is learn how to manage that portfolio of stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, whatever you're going to be. And kind of don't buy too much of any one thing. There's rules that you got to kind of understand, so you don't get you know, wiped out in one bad trade, you know what I mean? So be very, very careful there. Got it. Okay, yeah, but Thank I have you. no problem with what you're doing. Sounds all right.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Thanks Harry.
1: Much. Appreciate the call. Let's go to James in San Mateo. How are you doing, James?
2: Hi, Steve. I love your show. I have a quick question. If I
3: were to trade full-time, what type of entities should I set up, or should I, for tax reasons?
1: If you're going to trade full-time...
3: Yeah, I'm you, just, you, just curious.
1: You mean as far as a corporate structure or limited partnership? Exactly,
3: exactly. For okay. uh, for Is, depreciation, for like a, like a business. Okay. What type of, do you recommend to
2: set up something or?
1: Is it just going to be you trading for yourself? Yes. Okay. Then you probably do a. Uh, you could probably do a sole proprietorship. Set up an okay. entity called a sole proprietorship under uh-huh. your name. I would probably start there because you don't want to incur costs by setting up a corporation right from the get-go. Let's first see how you do it and see if you make some money. You know, you always got to learn to walk before you can, you know, can start to run. Right. Know, okay. And, and you even want to crawl. So at the first point at the first step is to set up a sole proprietorship. Treat it like a business. Set up a separate account under the sole proprietorship's name, and it would be James, your last name, sole proprietorship. You know, you can name it, whatever you want to, but I would put James, whatever your last name, sole proprietorship. Open up an account under that name. Open uh-huh. up a checking account under that name so that any expenses you incur come out of that business. Treat it just like a business. And you can do that, and that's how you start. So you open up your trading account at wherever E-Trade or wherever trading company you're going to be, and under that name. So then you have a business.
4: Okay, okay.
1: Now you can also take on clients, by the way, up to $25 million in, in other people's money without having to file anything with the FCC.
2: What do you mean by
3: that? You mean like, so let's uh, say you, you let's, just trade their account? Or do yes. you kind of like, like yes. okay. So okay, let's say so. your
1: brother says, you know well, you've done so well. I'm going to give you $100,000. So bucks. you are trading my money too. Or your uncle or your neighbor. Well, you can take up to $25 million without worrying about the FCC and doing filings and all those really headache things that they, they make you do that I have to do. Okay, so if you stay small, you're kind of under the radar system. I see. And I do know a lot of guys, James, who do that. They stay small on purpose just so they don't have to do the reporting. Oh, okay. 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 Good luck with it. I hope it works for you. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, James.
0: Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on InvestTalk.com.
1: Jeff in Pleasanton. How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, I had a question on uh, actually one of these
2: pro-funds, you know, counter-correlation funds. Yes. And I specifically on the one that tracks uh, negatively on the uh, NASDAQ 100. And I see there are two funds. There's a USPIX and a USPFX. And it sounds like they sort of track the same thing. But the difference seems to be that their loads seem to be different. I I don't quite understand why. Why Want me to tell you
1: why? Yeah. ProFunds is a very good fund family. They're lot like uh, Bridex. They have these negative correlated funds. But to answer your specific question, Jeff, ProFunds and Bridex both have different class shares. One is available to you, the public, you. And you can buy and sell them all day long. Another one has a fee built in there for us, registered investment advisors. Okay. So you don't want the one with the fee. <laughs> So, in other words, a registered investment advisor, I can manage your money, and I can right. buy this particular profile and they'll pay me a fee just because I buy it. I see. You no, don't want that one. And you'll find that the net asset value is different. In other words, it doesn't perfectly correlate. The both of them don't.
2: Oh, really? Okay. I guess I'm going to sort of assume the one with the lower load probably is the one for the public. but
1: That's right. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the one you want. There is. Both of them are no loads, by the way. It's a fee. That's a twelve B one fee.
2: Yeah, the management fee. The right? management yeah.
1: fee. Yeah. Yeah. So just be aware that that's why there's two of. They do the exact same thing, but they're two yeah. different class shares.
2: Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: Appreciate the it, call, Jeff. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Jason, San Diego. How you doing?
2: Good. My question is, why do mutual funds close to new investors? And if I start investing in a fund and then it closes. Can I keep adding to my position in
1: that? Very, very good question, Jason. Mutual funds close for one reason, and that reason is is they're getting too much money for what they invest in. They cannot put that money to work fast enough, or they, you know, they have too much money, period. One of those two reasons. If you already own shares, Jason, Almost all of them that I've ever seen will allow you to buy additional shares. They just closed the door. The mutual fund closes to new investors. If you sold all your shares, Jason, all of them, they would not let you back in. Okay. Now, sometimes they will reopen because sometimes they get the money too fast and they can't put it to work. And therefore, they're going to have bad performance and they don't want that. So sometimes they reopen when they have you know 6 months later or so when they've been able to put that money to work and they'll reopen. Jason, when a mutual fund closes, that uh-huh. is a good thing. That tells you that those managers are not just looking at greed. Remember when they close their funds, they close the fund that means they're not going to take any more money. That means they they remember they earn their money as a percentage of the money they manage. So it's a good thing. If this mutual fund concentrates on small cap stocks Jason they uh-huh. should close once they get about three to five hundred million dollars maybe a billion dollars in the men they should close because small cap stocks are not very liquid there's not very many of them does that help you
2: yeah that helps a lot thank, thank you
1: thanks Jason appreciate the call. You're listening to Invest Talk everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99 chart. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your questions.
0: you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
1: 888 99 charters, our number 888 992 Siraj Fremont, how you doing, Siraj? Yeah, I'm fine, uh, Steve. Thank you. I have a question on the mutual
2: fund. Sure. I want to know what the redemption fees are because I see there's no load mutual funds and there's a redemption fees, mm-hmm. and you say 2%. And what that means, they charge you 2% when you sell the mutual fund or they don't charge if you sell after like certain months, three months, six
1: months? What that means, you pretty much, you kind of know what it is. A redemption fee, even though it's a no-load mutual fund, a redemption fee, it means that if you sell it before a certain length of time, and so Raj, you have to ask them. It could be three months, six months, or a year. It could be nine months. You have to hold it for that length of time and there'll be no redemption fee. That's what that means. So the redemption fee is because you're selling it sooner than they want you to sell it.
2: So if we keep it for that longer term,
1: so there should not be redemption fee, right? Correct. It goes away. Okay. All right. That's the only question I have. Thanks, for Thank call. you very much. Appreciate it, Saraj. Tina and Oakley. How you doing, Tina? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for calling. I had a question about life insurance. Sure. Uh, whether
4: to um, invest in term life insurance versus universal life insurance.
1: That's easy. Term life insurance. This is what you do, Tina. Believe me, the guy who's selling it to you is going to try to talk you into universal life. Right. Because he's going to tell you what a great investment it is. He's going to tell you that you can make lots of money and that you you never lose money. And plus you have the insurance part. What a great thing. You know what it's a great thing for? It's a great thing for him because he makes a ton of commission on those things. It's not a great thing for you. If you took the same amount of money, let's say you you buy term term is much cheaper, right? Right. If you took the difference between the premium on the term and the premium on a whole life or universal life, if you took that difference, in other words, that amount of money you would pay if you bought that old whole life policy and invest it in anything, mutual fund, dollar cost average in any mid-cap mutual fund, you would make a lot more money, a lot more money than the insurance vehicle could make over okay. the next 10 years, you would. That is the smart thing to do, Tina. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate Uh the call. And how can I say that with all the certainty in the world? Because I used to work for insurance companies.
3: InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
2: My name is Ben from Minnesota. I have a question, please. I currently have about 1% of assets in silver. I'm interested in buying some gold. I wondered, would it make sense if my HELOC was a 3.2% interest rate to use that HELOC to buy gold at this point to bring me up to 5% in total for precious metals investment? your thoughts are appreciated. Thank
5: you. My simple answer is no, I would not borrow money against your home in order to invest in gold and silver. It's a volatile asset class. uh, And just HELOCs in general are, are, are tough lending vehicles, right? Typically, it's interest only for the first five years, and then they start to amortize. I would not be utilizing your HELOC to buy gold and silver. Just Get your budget more in order, try to save more and start allocating more of your assets to that space or sell other assets. It's only 1% of your overall assets. Well, you have other assets. Sell those assets in order to fund uh, and up your allocation to that space if you're going to do it. I definitely wouldn't use your HELOC in order to make that happen.
1: We're going to go to Carolyn in San Diego. How are you doing, Carolyn?
4: Hello. I'm doing well. Thank you, Steve. Steve, a question I've been wanting to ask for quite a while about diversification. I currently have trimmed my portfolio to mainly um, large-cap blue chips, which has generally been a good move. But I'm very aware that we are a global economy, and it's important to have uh, national, international, overseas exposure. And here's my question. I'm terrible about reading annual reports. Is there a way when you have a stock such as Exxon or IBM or Johnson & Johnson to figure out how much, what a percentage of exposure the company has to overseas?
1: Oh, yeah. It's very, it's actually quite easy, really. (laughs) Um, And, and, Carolyn, if you don't like reading those things, don't read them. But you could easily pick up the phone, uh, just a phone call, call the uh, 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 client services investor services investor yeah. service department and they'll be happy to answer that question
4: but is there kind of a breakdown as there would be in an EFT and an exchange fund of where their investments are like uh, how much might be in Europe for, and or Asia or South America? Do you get Do you get a feeling for that? If you're trying to you get, can't,
1: you can't, it depends on how deep you want to go into it. But yes, they will. They all they'll know exactly. You think you kidding me? That's their business. They're going to know exactly where they are or when. Yeah. It won't be in the financial statement because they're giving you more generalized. This is the overall picture. Uh-huh. But if you talk to someone, they'll 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 give you details.
4: Well, I've gone online and yeah, I have a brokerage and done you know gone to the various um, information websites that when you, you know, when you right. key in the symbol, but I've never seen yeah. that. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, of course. Anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, more difficult.
1: So, that's true. That's why I suggest a phone call.
4: Okay. Well, that's that's really good to know. Um, Thanks,
1: Carol. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. You can call right now. Be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight, and you can get through right now.
5: Let's say. Invest Talk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50 percent off. Visit Rosettastone.com/today. That's 50 percent off, unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50 percent off now at Rosettastone.com/today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Beth
1: in Fremont, how you doing, Beth?
4: Good, thanks. My question is I have uh, $10,000 and I want to invest it. Okay. To uh, make it bigger. What's the best way to
1: do that? Do you know what ETFs, Beth, are? No, I have not. Okay. Obviously, you've heard of mutual funds, right? Yes. Yeah. So, the best way for you to start would we'll look at some no-load no transaction fee mutual funds. That means you don't have to pay anybody a commission or a fee to buy or sell them. Okay. And there's lots of them out there. Just as many loaded ones, meaning ones that pay commissions, as there are no load ones, the ones that don't pay commission. Now the problem is if you go ask somebody, you know, a broker or somebody, I wanna buy some mutual funds with this $10,000, what they're gonna do is say, Sure, here's these funds. These are really good funds. Buy these. And they're all going to be loaded funds, commissions. Mm. Okay, you don't need to do that. Commission, you usually take 5% off right off the top, 5% in the hole from the day one. I hate right. that. Do not do that. Okay. You can uh-huh. buy no load funds. And you can go to morningstar.com. Morningstar.com. Okay. And they'll give you lists. You just go in there and say, I want no load funds, uh, zero commissions. Make sure that that's what you have in there for the search. And they give you a bunch of them. Or if you send me an email, Beth, email at, just go to my website, Vestalk.com. Hit the contact us button. It comes right to my desk and say, I would like a list of some no load funds. And I'll give you a handful of them. Oh, great. You then have to go get the prospectus and look them up. You know, I have to say that because that's the rules. Uh-huh. uh uh, but I'll tell you what they do briefly, and then you can just pick from there if you want to. That's
4: wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks,
1: Beth. Appreciate the call.
4: So
1: bye Trust me, over long haul, the place to be is the stock market. You know, people tell you, well, the real estate market is better. Well, it is because you get to use leverage. Okay, you put 10%, 20% down, you get to borrow all that money, and then you, you can double your money in a short period of time if the market's decent, not in the next few years, I can guarantee you that. But, well, yeah, that's because you're borrowing 80%, 90% of the cost. Do that in the stock market, I could beat the housing easy. Not a problem, I'd beat that. But you don't do that in the stock market, you use your cash. You don't borrow money, you rarely borrow any money, and when you do, you borrow very little not 80, 90% of your investment. That's the difference, everybody, the big difference. So when you have people tell you, well, the, the real estate market returns more money, well, it does cash on cash. In other words, you put 10% down and you borrow 90%, the property only has to go up 10% and you doubled your money. You made a 100% return on the money you put into it because you borrowed a lot of money. You know, think about what you're doing. How much risk are you taking? 888 99 is our number, everybody. You can reach us, we have lines open, Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Jason, San Diego. How you doing, Jason?
2: Good, good. I recently changed jobs, and I rolled my 401k over into an IRA, mm-hmm. and it's got about $14,000 in it, and that's about all the investments that I have. Now, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, what do I do with it? It's not really enough money that I feel like I should invest in individual stocks. Do I buy mm-hmm. a mutual fund? or a couple mutual funds or what do I do with about $14,000?
1: You buy several mutual funds, not one, not two. Maybe at $14,000 I would probably buy maybe four. Okay. Okay. If you're in a 401k, you may not have many, many choices, though.
2: Well, I rolled it over into an IRA now that oh, I changed oh, okay. jobs. Okay, okay. Well, that's why I'm wondering, what do I do? I only had limited choices before.
1: Right, okay. And now
2: uh, it's wide open. Okay.
1: I would roll it over into either Fidelity Investments, you know, with, with all the Fidelity mutual funds. They have a program, a no-load, no-transaction fee program over there where you can buy any no-load mutual fund, not just Fidelity, all uh-huh. of them. And so does Schwab. They have what's called a Schwab One program that does the same thing. I'm not pushing one company over another. I don't you know, I don't have an ax to grind either way. Sure. But they have programs that you can buy a number of mutual funds, no load, and no transaction fee. The problem they have, though, is there's usually a holding period, which I don't like. 90 days, you can't sell it within 90 days of your purchase. But you're probably not going to sell it that soon. But you know, for me, I don't like... The restrictions, but for you, it'll probably be fine. Then, once you do that, you want to pick some good funds, some very good funds. Where's the custodian now, Jason? Scott Trade now. Okay, Scott Trade is not a bad place to be. You can buy mutual funds in Scott Trade. Even if you buy no load funds, mm-hmm. they might charge you a trading fee. It's called a transaction fee. Find out what that is, okay? And my guess will be between $20 and $30. You can do it from Scottrade. Just find no load, no transaction fee funds.
2: They've got a list of hundreds. Of funds okay. that are like that, that say that they're in their program with no commission or fee or oh, anything. perfect.
1: They don't have a transaction fee.
2: Well, they've got a list of funds that don't, and it's a pretty respectable list.
1: Then you're going to pick from that list, Jason, because I guarantee you, there's at least four of them over there that are pretty good quality funds. Look for a good mid cap and maybe small cap growth and value, and also one of your four picks should be a international fund. Okay maybe 20% in the international.
2: Because I had debated over whether to have four funds like you just mentioned or just get one total market or S M 500 or some.
1: I understand that. And one of your funds could be an index fund. That's not a problem. If you're sticking with the market for long-term, index funds are fine. I would suggest, though, that you can probably do a little bit better if you find a good good manager of the mutual funds. So go to Morningstar.com and check out the funds see what their ratings are, see how they're done against their peer group. Are they always in the top tier of their peer group? If they are, that's the fund you want.
2: When you look at the Morningstar and they have four- and five-star funds, some folks have told me that five-star fund is maybe all played out and that you might want to look for a good four-star fund. Is that correct or no?
1: I'm right in line with those folks, whoever told you that. I like three- and four-star funds. The underachievers that are trying to be overachievers as opposed to the overachievers that have already achieved. I have found in my studies that five-star funds generally underperform going forward. Should
2: I be worried about the size of the fund at all or not? Yes,
1: Well, You're asking some good questions. I like not to have more than a couple of billion dollars. I like to have a few hundred million dollars under management. I don't like the big ones. Why? Because they become the whole market, and you might as well buy an index fund. Yeah. So stay away from the big guys. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Very good question. See, now that's a perfect question for everybody else to listen to. It's a really good question.
0: A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART.
1: Okay, remember, we love beginner questions, so we welcome your question at 888-99-CHART. Now, what is the question?
2: Steve, I got a question for an income portfolio, uh, part of it, preferred stocks. Yes. You get them for five and a half, six, six and a half percent. Yeah. Yep. What yeah. do you think? What's your idea?
1: I like it. If you're looking for income, income, everybody—that's what George said. He's talking about an income portfolio. He's looking for income coming into his portfolio. You could buy some really good stocks, preferred stocks, really good companies, and buy their preferred. And a preferred stock, in case you're not aware of it, you have, the, you have the common shares and the preferred shares. Not every company has preferreds. Preferreds are stocks that act like bonds, okay? They pay a dividend yield. So your preferred, your yield is pretty safe. Now, there are different kinds of preferreds, George, and you probably know that. Convertible preferreds, you probably, I don't know if you've gotten those. That's when they could convert to a common stock if, if they go to a certain price. What happens, everybody, is George is going to collect his 5 6 7%, whatever the yield is, on the preferred stock. And if the stock value goes up on that preferred, he may also get capital gains. It does not, though, go up like the common stock. It doesn't go up in lockstep, no are down a lockstep for that matter. They don't, don't, they're don't they more stable, I would say. George, I kind of like the idea, as long as you buy an underlying company that's very strong. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, George. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Okay, let's go to Jay in Cupertino. How you doing, Jay? Uh, good. I got a question on the, uh, the technical
2: analysis uh, software package out there. Uh, you know, like I saw the MetaStock uh, demo a couple of weeks ago. So i just wanted to get your comment on if you're using meta stock or any package like that which can you know uh, uh, with the real-time data can you know you can uh, with a lot of oscillator built in uh, and can generate mm-hmm. a buy or sell signals like that
1: i will tell you this jay we do use a technical analysis program called Vance git by e-signal but it doesn't give you buy and sell signals. My experience with buying things like Meta stock, TC2000, and there's several others out there. The signals to me are always great looking back, but they're not very good looking forward. You know, they'll say, oh, you should've bought it here and it would've went up. Yeah, well, but you didn't tell me then to buy it there. You know, I find, Jay, that they don't work very good. I know some of those programs, when it says to sell, that's probably when you should think about buying. And when it says to buy, it's probably when you should think about selling. Because they switch at the tops and bottoms. They have a buy signal when it runs up for a while, then they buy. They have a buy signal because it's run up for a while. They think it's going to run up forever. Not in this market, it doesn't. Then when it runs down, they have a sell signal because it's coming down then all of a sudden it switched the other way. It's pretty difficult. Be very careful, Jay. There's nothing wrong with them because they give you a lot of information, oscillators and advanced decline lines, all kinds of studies. And if you get good at it, you won't need them. You'll do it yourself. This is Invest Talk, made
3: possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California, to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
1: Mark and Berkeley, how are you doing, Mark? Good, how are you doing? Good, thanks for calling. Quick question. What would you recommend investors' uh, emerging
2: market portion of the total equity? And then uh, getting back to valuations, what's the historic relative valuation between the US and emerging markets? You just mentioned some PE levels and just curious how that relates to historic average?
1: Historically, the historically the emerging market PEs are much less than ours because they deserve it because in the, history the risk, yeah. in history they're very suspect in their numbers. Okay, so they're, they're, you, you, they, everybody wants better numbers, you know, that in our markets, they're scary. That's changing a little bit in recent history. And Peter, I think about 20 to 30 percent should have foreign exposure in your mar, in your portfolio, 20 to 30 percent of your overall portfolio. But Mark, that does not mean you should have that much in foreign stocks. Uh, for instance, if you bought Yum Brand and about a third of Yum Brand's profits are coming from outside the United States, well, there's the foreign exposure. Mm-hmm. That kind of exposure needs to be added into your overall exposure.
2: Do, do you guys uh, break it down that specifically like per yeah. company exposure, or do you have a, a rough target of your individual positions that are traded outside? The we country? actually do yes. break
1: it down by our individual companies' exposure. And, okay. we, uh, of course, we we own... We own uh, ADRs, which are American Depository shares. In other words, foreign stocks that trade on our, our American exchanges because they have, to, uh, they have to report using general accounting principles like ours. So they, they have, it's harder for them to cheat. They still can cheat. Yeah. <laughs> and trust me, Mark, they do cheat. But, right, thanks. but do, you know, I, I would, you need to have some exposure because that's where the growth is. Growth. Appreciate the call, Mark. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Morey and Milkitas.
2: I just have a general question. I'm kind reading the, you know, financial sections and listening on the news and they say you need a million dollars to retire now. Yeah. And also another comment that most people are underinvested. So yes. let's say there's no way you're gonna have a million dollars for retirement with the way things are going, and it's pretty hard to increase it. Should you then invest in riskier stocks to increase your possible reward to get to a million dollars, or what?
1: No, not necessarily. Uh, Always reverts back to what is your age? How close are you to retirement? This is my fear in that scenario, Maury. Let's say you only have seven more years or 10 more years, okay? And you know you only have a couple hundred thousand dollars. And you're going to say, well, you know what? I don't have enough money. I, I, I won't have enough money in retirement. So you go on to take more and more and more risk. And you're getting older and you're taking more risk. You're getting older, more risk, older, more risk. Only one major mistake and you're wiped out. You do not do that. You do just the opposite. I'm worried that people will do just that. They're taking more risk as they get older because they haven't been saved enough young enough. But you really shouldn't do that. What that means, Maury, is that you're just not going to be able to retire at the age you want to retire. I see. You take less risk as you approach retirement. But if you have lots of money, you can take as much risk as you want. But I'm just saying that if you're the average guy out there, and this is the money for retirement, as you approach retirement, you should always have some exposure to the stock market. But at a certain point in your life, you're going to say, you know what? I can't take risks with this money. I'm going to need it.
2: So the penalty for underinvesting is that you're going to have to work longer? Correct. Okay. Well, thank you very much.
1: Okay. Appreciate the call. Hey, this is Michael, and I wanted to call and ask
2: about student loans and if you thought that paying the entire loan off at once, if you're able to, is a good idea or not. I graduated around a year ago and have about $9,000 in loans left at a 4% interest rate, and I recently got a bonus for my job as well as my tax return back. So I have more than enough just sitting in my checking account to pay the entire thing off and wanted to get your opinion on it. Thanks.
1: Okay, 4% is not too expensive. But the first thing I would ask, and I need to have more information. If you're working, do you, do you, do you, you contribute to a 401K? Do you get any match from the 401K? You know, I put money to that. But in general... I like paying off loans. I don't like loans. Car loans, credit card loans, you have no credit card loans. You should pay off the credit card loans first if you have any. Anything paying more than 4%, pay that off first. Pay your highest interest rate first off. Then go to your student loans. But make sure you're maxing out your 401k if you're getting a match. Make sure you're doing that first. That's the very first thing you want to think about. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
1: robert san diego how you doing robert thank you one quick question growth
2: rate earnings rate future earnings rate or earnings times growth rate is it sales growth rate
1: no you want to use earnings growth rate first Then look at the sales growth rate, because you can't have your earnings growth rate keep going up when sales is not. So you can't ignore sales, but I would like you to use the earnings growth rate to come up with a calculation. But if you see the earnings going up 20% and the sales going flat, then that 20% is probably not sustainable and you don't want to use it.
2: And how would that vary if you were to use, say, forward earnings or projected earnings versus a forward PE to
1: figure the value of stock. Okay, I, I generally do it both ways. Forward PE and forward sales and growth. Okay, growth of earnings, growth of sales. And then I also use the five-year PE range, low and high. What it does, Robert, is try to give you a box. Okay, this is about where you think it should go. This is a quick and dirty way to evaluate something, you know, to get a future value price of a stock.
2: Excellent. You're a fountain of information. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Robert. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. How to value a stock. Also, Robert, I'll just tell you real quick my formula, it's earnings growth times next, next year's growth rate times next year's earnings per share, only works really good on the mid sized type of companies. Midsize, not really good on the really small ones and not really good on the really big ones. Why? Because the really small ones grow very, very fast, or should be, and the really big ones grow pretty slow. So using that formula messes you up. It doesn't work as well. Let's go to Bob and Sam Ramon. How are you doing, Bob? There, in Sam Ramon, Bob. Steve,
2: I had a question about insider trading. Are there services that track insider trading and uh, produce reports?
1: Yes, there are, because they have to report. Insiders have to report their buys and sells. They have to report their options. They have to report everything. And yeah, Yeah. uh, Morningstar, Zacks, DataGraphs, many, many, many people report on the insider trading activity. You can find that information In a lot of places on the internet, Yahoo Finance is good, MSM Money is good, MarketWatch.com is good. Those all report those insider trading activities. Problem is, you have to find it. It's not like, oh, here it is.
2: (laughs) That's my problem. I see it on Yahoo, but I want a report where you don't have to go into each stock.
1: Yeah, well then, see, when you're talking about reports, then you're talking about people like me who buy those kinds of information. You had to buy it. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're trying to trade your own, is it worth to buy that information? You know, inside trading is not a simple thing. People think, well, oh, they're selling, they're buying. Well, a lot of times when they sell, they're selling because their net worth is too much tied up in one stock. Bill Gates sold millions and millions of dollars worth of his shares, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have faith in his company. He's just trying to diversify. It's so it's a very difficult report. I think what's more important is insider buying rather than insider selling.
2: That's what I would think, too. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because they have to use real money to buy, real money. When they sell, it could be just options they're exercising that they got for free or a very low price. So selling may not tell you the story. But when an insider is buying heavily, the CEO and his high cohorts, that means they're having a lot of faith in their company. That means they may know something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, somebody always knows something before you and I do. They always do. Yes, I think that's true. Bob, appreciate the for call. Sure. Okay, thanks. Thank Bye. you. Let's go to Joseph in San Diego. How are you doing, Joseph?
2: Hi, how are you? Good, thanks for calling. Thanks. The question I had was, um, i never really uh, invested in a stock market, but I have um, like $10,000 I want to invest. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what would be the best way to do that? Would it be to go to an investment group or buy stocks individually?
1: Probably, uh, Joseph, it's probably too small to buy stocks individually, because you don't want to buy one or two or three. That's okay. not enough. You can do it, Joseph, but it's high, high risk. That's what that means. You can obviously buy, and you can buy a very safe company like a Johnson & Johnson or Exxon Mobil. But even those, when you only have two or three or four in your portfolio, that risk is pretty high. The best thing to do maybe is to buy an exchange-traded fund (ETF). You know what that is? Yes, I've read about it. Okay, ETFs are all over the place. You can buy an ETF of the S&P 500. You can buy an ETF just for technology. Okay. You can, you can buy an ETF for oil or oil services. You can buy an ETF. But what happens is these little ETFs has a group of stockings inside them, like a mutual fund. Okay. But they trade like stocks. It would probably help you a lot if you joined an investment club because you learn a lot. Okay. And if you have that interest, that would be good. Also, start reading some of the books. Get my book. That would be a good start. Or Peter Lynch's books. They would be a good start. My book is uh, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. And okay. It's, just, it's a pretty simple little book. You can get it at Amazon.com. But Peter Lynch has very good, easy books to read for beginners. Good luck with that, Joseph. I hope it works for you. All right. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to InvestTalk.com. you want to contact me directly, easy. Leave a message in the machine or go to InvestTalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.